Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. My name is Clay Wright, and I'm here together with Pastor John Jacobs. Hello. Say hello to the people, Pastor John. Good to see you, buddy. And Pastor Charlie Miller. Say hello, everybody. What up? (laughs) Man, it's so good to be back for one of these roundtables. I love getting to have the conversations with Pastor Jim, but I also love when we get a chance to preach and open up the text, and it's always a good conversation with you guys. And we've said this before, but one of the things I love is getting to, you know, we, we send all the sermon outlines out to the rest of the pastors before Sunday. So you kind of get to open it up and it's like, oh, I wonder what, <laughs> I wonder what they're doing with you the check text. check them all out too, man? <laughs> Sometimes I do. <laughs> Especially yours. Right. I, I read yours over and over. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got now, like people are like, I was coming in Sunday and people are like, you're preaching. It's all blank on the back, John. I'm like. <laughs> Sorry, it's what you get. Yep, yep. I, once in a while, I do that too. Not gonna so, lie. What's funny? So, so Joy, my wife, she grew up at a, going to a, going to a church in South Florida where they taught how to take notes, but they never had a sermon outline. And she is like real nostalgic for that. Yeah. And so I'm like, do it for Joy. I, well, I may have to one of these days. I almost did this week because I was I was sick early in the week, so I almost was like. Not you know, the funny out. thing is, if I do have notes, it's after I've done all my prep work, written my entire manuscript, and like I've written everything out, and then I'm like, well, I gotta do notes to give the people what they want. So then I go back and add notes, oh, yeah. notes in, and like, yeah, fill in the blanks and stuff for those people. My <laughs> wife loves those things; she's the opposite <laughs> of joy, I guess. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, getting getting a sense even from the the sermon titles or looking at the notes about. Just how God is using his word to impact us and then out of that to, you know, provide and to feed and to mm-hmm. challenge his people. So it's always, you know, similar themes and yet God breathes new life into it through through us and through the personalities and gifties, giftings that he's given. So, you know, I think it would be helpful. You know, we were, we're continuing to study Luke chapter six, talking about Jesus's sermon on the plane, talking about loving people well. He gets into talking about be merciful as your father is merciful, and then these commands that he gives in the midst of these statements. Last week, we talked about you know how he says, if you want to be merciful, don't be judging and condemning. And then this week, we were picking it up with the two positive commands. So let's go ahead and just go around and real quickly, just in case somebody didn't you know hear your sermon, maybe if they're from a different campus tuning in, give us like a little elevator speech, a synopsis of where did God have you in the text? How did that present itself in your sermon? What was kind of the main thrust that God was doing there? So whoever wants to go first. Yeah, I, it was interesting because I don't know if it happened to you guys. We get our passage and I had spent a couple weeks on judging. Like I just thought that was part of it. And I realized we were kind of picking up yeah, the me latter too. part. Me too. Yeah. yeah and, and so I was like, oh, I was I was behind the eight ball. So obviously I, I was really focusing in on the, the forgive and the give. And obviously it's very fascinating because Jesus is there's if there's a condition there, you know, forgive and you'll be forgiven, give and it will be given to you. And um, wrestling through with that a lot. And obviously we're going to talk about more, but for me, a lot of times what I'm trying to do is, man, how can I condense this all down? If someone did have to leave and think what was the main thing that, that I need to take away, if I can somehow work that into a title, it doesn't always work out like that. But for this one, I thought, ah, oh, man, and we'll talk about more, but for me, it's, you know, once you get it, you'll give it. Um, there's, there's this, yeah. Jesus is giving this succinct little phrase and it, it's interesting. Um, cause we just said it earlier, you know, he's, he's saying something very quickly that we're taking a lot of time to explain, but there's this very real sense that like, no man, once you understand this, once that really happens, that's when you're going to, you know, give it out and it'll be given to you. So that was me. Yeah, for sure. I wish I, I wish I thought of that that little statement. That, that's really good. I was pretty happy with that one. That's really good. Yeah. I had about <laughs> I, I had about six working back? titles. <laughs> can I go back? I'll re- I'm going to steal that. Just that phrase and add it to my. You story. can have it, man. You can have it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, all, a lot of the same. Uh, one of the things I kind of la- I used as my launching pad was the phrase 
be merciful as my as your father is merciful. Yeah. And then saying, how do you carry out mercy in the world? We carry out mercy. Um, we live out mercy by by how we forgive and how we give. So I kind of went through that angle, jumped off the mercy aspect because I think that in the in the in the text that's the heading to this section actually. Yeah. That's like the not the heading. That's the that's the flow. Remember, Jesus was mm-hmm. was was speaking, and he's just he's kind of it's flowing, yeah. and so he says, "Be merciful as your father is merciful. Don't judge, or you'll be judged. Don't for, you know? Yeah. Don't condemn. Keep, forgive, you'll be forgiven." And so for me, the, that's the fresh thought of mercy. Okay, how are we living out mercy? Here's how we represent mercy in the world through you know through that. So it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. I know Charlie, you and I have been chatting with Alan Schaefer, who's a member of our church. And he uh, he's been doing a lot like a doctorate level studies on the Greek text and things like that. And so when we talk about, you know, where the headings are, Pastor Jim even mentioned a couple of weeks ago how uh, the headings in in our like NIV Bibles are they're not there in the original text. You know, the, the copies that we have of the Greek New Testament, they're no spaces, all capital letters flowing one word after the next. And yet, in in the Greek, from the grammar and from the the context, you can still get a sense of where the chapter breaks are and where Jesus is transitioning to new ideas. But with this with this text, you know, the different versions of the Greek text that are produced by different groups of people disagree on you know where's the paragraph break. So some people take verse thirty six, which is "Be merciful as your Father is merciful." And they lump that with the, the material that follows that we were preaching on. Some people have that as the last statement of the pr- preceding paragraph. So it's, you know, when you get into the weeds there, sometimes it feels more, you know, unclear than clear. But uh, it's so interesting how, how much of a difference, at least as I was studying, that makes for how you understand these verses. Um, and that's kind of where, where I was at in, in my sermon I, I, I took it the same way that Jesus is unpacking what does it look like to be merciful. And so my first point I went through rather quickly, just talking about how Jesus is being clear. It looks like being a forgiving person, being a generous person. And if you were sitting there listening to Jesus, that's all you might have taken away because that's what, that's what he's saying. But then I kind of observed that, yeah, that's not all that Jesus is saying. He's got these other words. Uh, and what does he mean by those? Uh, you know, he's, it's not just forgive, be generous. It's forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, so on and so forth. So then in the, you know, last 30 minutes of my sermon, I, I dug into that and I, I asked, okay, well, what's, what's Jesus saying here? And I, I kind of shared how I believe he's giving us some reasons why we should be merciful, why we should give and forgive. And my three, the, the ways I summarized it were, were, we should be merciful because Jesus commands it. So just because on the surface level, he's, he's telling us to, that should be enough for us. We should do it because wisdom commends it, that it will go well for you when you do it. Some sort of positive outcome is going to be the result. Mm-hmm. Um, it's generally a wise thing to do. And then the third thing is because God models it, which is getting into like that sort of circling background to be merciful as your father's merciful. Um, so that was, that was kind of, and then I, my conclusion point was, uh, that only when you recognize the mercy that you've been freely given, will you be free to give it to others? So kind of ending right where you, where you started with your title, John. So yeah, like pretty similar. And yet we kind of breathed it out in, in different ways. I feel like you guys both did a really good job of <clears throat> connecting the forgiveness and generosity of like both of them require giving. Mm. Um, so I appreciated both of you guys on that. I think you guys did a good job of even in like some of your simple points of how you approach the text. It was very much like you'll give it away. You'll give it, you'll, you'll, it'll be outpouring. Um, you know, Clay, one of the things you said is like, whether it's your pardons or your possessions, like you're giving it right. You're you're living generously that way. So I appreciated that from both of you guys. That's good. Clay. Yeah. Yeah, Pardon or possession there. Yeah, I, I, that was one of the things, because I remember early on, I was having a conversation with Pastor Jim about this passage, and he was saying how he thinks that it's possible that Jesus is using forgiveness and generosity almost synonymously, just based on the parallel structure there. You know, judgment and con- condemnation are very similar. And so it's possible that he's using, 
you know, forgiveness and giving almost as synonyms of one another. Mm -hmm. And so as I wrestled with that, that's kind of where I got, okay, it's really Jesus' point is, is letting go of these things, yeah. whether it's your right to get even at the person or whether that's your material wealth. Mm -hmm. um, there is a similarity there. So that's, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that was, that was, I was really enjoying kind of discovering those pieces, but you know, it's, it's interesting. And, and John, you already mentioned this, but before we hopped on to record, we were talking about how preaching the words of Jesus are is so humbling because we're trying to spend 40 minutes or 43 minutes or 45 minutes or however long, I don't know. Let's not talk about the fact that we're long. Okay, let's just move on. You know, we're, we're spending lots of time talking about what, something that Jesus said in 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. You know, and Jesus, I, I made this comment, and I know, Charlie, you talked about this as well. You know, as Jesus is talking about this, he's not pausing at every stop and explaining it the way that we're pausing with Jesus's words and really trying to unpack them. And so, you know, how do you guys handle that balance between, you know, we want to obviously explain the words of Jesus, but we don't want to, ex we never want to explain them away, but we want to help people to understand them and apply them. And yet, you know, Jesus's point is clear. It's be generous, be forgiving. That, that's, that seems like sort of his main point. So how do you guys wrestle with that tension as you're preaching, preaching for a long time over something that Jesus is talking about briefly? Do you, do you guys like sense a tension with that ever or, or feel like, man, Jesus is packing so much into these words because the, the other thing is, I don't know about you guys. I never am struggling to, I'm always cutting down my sermons. I'm not like, Oh man, I've only got 20 minutes. I'm not really yeah. sure. I resonate with that. Like it's, I always tell people there's, it's never a lack of things to say. You mm -hmm. know, I, I feel like we could sit here all day even talking about this. I mean, forgiveness in, in modern day America, well, really in the world. I mean, <laughs> There's, there's, it feels like there's not enough to say, but I massively struggle with the fact that Jesus will just say things and just leave them there. <laughs> and so for me, I guess I'm always trying to realize that the main point uh, for me with Jesus, with his followers is follow me. Yeah, you're going to hear me say things, but the real ministry is you watching me do it. You know, and, and obviously, spoiler alert, that's what's going to happen with forgiveness and giving. Like, it's really not going to click for these guys until they see the whole thing yeah. played out. Yeah. Yeah. The the message is in words that aren't said. It, it's through his life. It's through the cross. It's through the resurrection. So I'm aware of that. But I also realize it's kind of like, you know, we all have kids, you know. I can just say one thing, but there's it's also getting down on their level, understanding what's happened at the time, understanding that it it is for some, you know, a lot of us harder than just just obey. Mm -hmm. So you're, we, we talk about trying to create that tension, you know, and and understanding where people are coming from, and that's why words are important. But it's very humbling for me. I mean, there's so much a part of me sometimes wants to be like, read it, drop my Bible, and be like. <laughs> Jesus put it that way. Who, who am I yeah. to add to that? Yeah. Um, yet honoring cultures, honoring the people we know mm -hmm. that are sitting out there in the seats. I mean, that shapes, you know, so much of what I'm saying and doing in, in my own life experience. So, and I love that about God. I think there's a great freedom there. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah. Ditto. I'm just kidding. I have. <laughs> <laughs> One additional additional thought is I think I, I always feel a tension between wanting, wanting people to understand that there's a lot of depth in Scripture, but mm -hmm. then also wanting people to be able to just understand Scripture. That just that they can believe that they can read what Scripture says yeah, and they can yeah. believe it for what Huge. it says. And so yeah. for me, it's like <clears throat> there's some real freedom in Jesus' teaching to just say it plainly as he says it yeah. and mm -hmm. teach it plainly as he teaches it. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of passages in Romans and other places in scripture that take a lot of work working through, you know, some of the real, real depth. And there's places in Jesus teaching too. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that his, Jesus teaching is not profound. I'm saying that the depth is actually in the ability to grasp it at face value. Right. And beauty yes. in, in the simplicity is the depth and that is the beauty. And yeah. So for me, 
uh, I, I think that that's really good to remember. Mm-hmm. So often as I approach Christ's teaching specifically, like if he's speaking, I want to picture myself listening in that moment and say, if, if do I believe that I could have understood this of that day within reason because there were some things that they didn't understand until they saw them, like you said, until it came to fruition, mm-hmm. until they saw the, the resurrection? But it, or, or am I left going, well, I better go back and con- consult a couple commentaries and get into original language because, I mean, you know, did you, is this Jesus, did it have echoes of this from the Old Testament? Is that what he was trying to get at here and yada, yeah. yada, yada? And you get so in, stuck in the weeds. And then what happens is if that's where you hang your hat, then people sitting in the chairs of the church say, shoot, I don't have a commentary. I don't know, I don't know anything about the original language. Yep. Wait a minute. Yeah, there's no way I can understand God's word because I don't have those tools, mm-hmm. and that is so such a travesty. That's yeah. not that's that's so wrong. That's not what we yeah. should be promoting because it's not true at all. Yeah, it, yeah and that's Great what's point. so what's so humbling about it is you know, Jesus says it in 20 seconds. He's communicating clearly to his audience, and yet it's so difficult. I feel, I feel like I mean, there's so much to say here because on the one hand, the fact that we have to talk about it or that we could talk about it for 40 minutes, part of that is because we stubbornly refuse to do, like it's hard for us to do this <laughs> like we refuse to obey jesus and so we we have to spend time unpacking it and being like no this is this is really what he means like he he it sounds like what he's saying and that's <laughs> yeah. what he that that's actually what he's saying <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. But like, then also uh, also he is also god like he is the god man speaking for sure so of course there is a lot that we have to unpack as well because of that right right yeah it, it's just and, and that's the yeah. like on the other hand you can yeah. get because they're like I said, you know, in the original in the original text in the Greek, scholars who spend their life, their whole life, just studying the words of Jesus in the original language, disagree about where the evidence points and how does that impact. So it's, you know, I some weeks I feel more settled, some weeks I feel less settled. This was a week where I was digging into some some deep study, and felt like, man, it's this is a hard, yeah, this is a hard. When you really get at the deep level, it's hard to land the plane, and that's that's kind of what drove my whole, you know, first point under that, you know, point two a, was that at the end of the day, you don't maybe you don't even need to land that plane to understand Jesus's main point, which is that he, what he's saying there's a clarity to it, and even if that's it's unsettling to us, well then let's let it be unsettling, and then just choose to obey him anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> because. You know, and we'll we'll get into that tension in a minute. Here, I mean, but... you brought it up. Let, let's get into it now. Yeah. So okay. So the tension that I was wrestling with, yeah, yeah. or do you want to? Yeah, wanna... I was saying like like you brought it up. Let's. Sure. I think that's, I think I don't mean to hijack your order. No. Yeah. But the tension is: what does it mean? And you will be forgiven. And what does it mean? And you will be. It'll be given to you. Is that salvation? Is that blessings this side of heaven? Is that something we're going to receive from God? Is that something we're going to see from each other? Right. Right. When you read that at face value forgive and you'll be forgiven um i think the first question and thinking through the lens of if i'm just someone sitting there listening then i would ask my question well okay so but if i struggle to forgive am i not going to get forgiven by god right mm-hmm. is he not going to forgive me if i'm struggling to forgive this person is my salvation at stake right that's the tension that's that's yeah. the question that yeah that or comes. and the the idea is like or is it really not about that at all you know is jesus talking about just a dynamic that happens between people uh, because the, the, yeah, I talked about this a lot in the sermon, but the, the subject of those verbs is not clear. Like the, the person who's performing the action, the, both of those verbs are passive. And so it's not like, you know, it, it's not clear who's performing the action from the words themselves. So it's an interesting question when you, when you, you know, if you could try to experiment and go back before you started studying the text, as you were just reading this before, like a year ago. How would you have understood it naturally? Would you have been like, oh, yeah, clearly this is, you know, forgive or you forgive and you'll be forgiven by God. Or did you naturally read it? Forgive and you will be forgiven by others. Did you guys have like a natural inclination one way or the other that you can remember? That's a good question. No, I, I no, probably by God for me. Yeah, that's that's kind of where my original inclination was. But then as we've been talking so much about loving other people and Jesus teaching the, this, you know, these ethical conversations, this is how you love others. I, I start to wonder, wait, is Jesus still 
Is he still unpacking the golden rule? Because if you read the golden rule and then read, you know, do not judge and you will not be judged, it, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Like that, that there's like a, okay, well, yeah. Okay. This makes it. So is Jesus returning to that or is he talking about, you know, the father and being merciful, like God is merciful. And so maybe he said, he is talking about God. And the, the hard thing for me was as I started studying, I really liked the golden rule analogy, but then I read all these commentaries and every single commentary was like, oh yeah, no, it's talking about God. And so I was like, what the, like, I was like, okay, well, what do you, well, what do I do here? You know, do I, and I take that really seriously, you know, do I submit to the consensus or do I lean into my own inclination and this idea that I had, mm. you know, I'm, I'm really hesitant to do that because I respect the church at large. And I've usually, if you think of like a new idea, it's probably, you know, it's probably heresy. It's like, it's like there's, there's been a lot of, we've, the church has been at studying Jesus's words for a long time. Yeah. And so I really, that really was unsettling to me. Um, I don't, did you guys wrestle with that at all? Like, did you feel that way at all? Like, is your, I wrestle it. I wrestle with it from the standpoint of, I understand that's a huge question for people. Mm -hmm. Um, I even wrote that in my questions, you know, can you lose your salvation if, if you don't forgive somebody? But what's so interesting is why would a believer even want to cling to that? You know, so it's sure. as I'm as I'm thinking of the question, I'm also thinking of, but why would you even want to live in unforgiveness? And that's, you know, I, I go back to, the, I guess to me, you know, as we're looking at that statement, then you're looking at other things Jesus said, and the, the two ones that mainly come to my mind are obviously the the, the parable of the unmerciful servant. So there's a clearly a connection between, yeah. you know the king and the servant who wouldn't forgive and it's the interaction is between those two people like man you were supposed to understand what's been done to you man i feel like the one that other people always miss is the parable of the prodigal son mm. everybody forgets there's a willing participant standing outside of the house he's he's standing away from the table and I think when we hear things like, oh, forgive and you'll be forgiven, it's God. No, no, I'm abs I'm not going to forgive you. It's The picture is more of someone who you can't come in and participate because Clay's in there and we all know what Clay did. And you mm. can't just give this guy – It's the whole time the father's like, but son, everything I have is yours. Yeah. And there's a there's a son out there with his arms crossed who refuses to participate. And to me it's sobering to think about – you know, we're given a choice here, and I, I really think there's believers that think that, that God's somehow, you know, in eternity after death going to flip a switch on our back then, and all of a sudden we're going to love everybody rather than know these things that are playing out now. They're important because they play out in eternity. You know, mm. what what makes you think later all of a sudden, you know, when Clay's there and you have this thing that now you're going to be okay? Well, that's what purgatory is for. You know, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so That was a joke. Yeah. Because I don't. We can talk about that another time, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, no, I agree. And the other, the other one that I referenced, because I, I, I ended with the parable of the merciful servant. I thought that was so helpful just for me personally, mm -hmm. but also um, in the Lord's prayer, you know, when Jesus is praying in Matthew Absolutely. six, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass yep. against us. And then immediately afterwards, he says, for if you forgive others, then your father in heaven will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, then neither will your father forgive you your sins. And so like in that, you know, whether or not he's talking about being forgiven by God or others in Luke 6, the point I made was we have to deal with this because Jesus is clear in Matthew 6. So this idea is Jesus doesn't shy away from it at all. No. And the way, you know, the way that I – well, how would you – so how would you counsel someone – John, I think I think you're you're already sort of answering this. If someone's coming up to you and saying like, "Hey, I'm struggling to forgive this person," you know, does that mean that God's not going to forgive me? How how would you respond to to that person? Yeah, it's so fascinating to me again because humanly, of course, we're empathetic. You know, the I, 
as a pastor, I'm sure you guys have dealt with this. People want to go to something very sensational. You know, what if what if you were raped? What if, what if someone was murdered? And those are huge things. I right. to the level of forgiveness that that you would have to to have to do something like that. But again, it's not my job to keep my eyes on my humanity or their humanity. The the focus always is, is who have I given my life to? Who is my king? Who is my Lord? What are they saying? And more importantly, what have they done? Mm. And so I, I think we get trapped when we get so caught up in, oh, yeah, that's so hard. I can understand. I, I don't know how you could forgive something like that rather than looking at Jesus who's – and again, what's really interesting is that Jesus is saying these things before the cross. So we have the luxury mm-hmm. – of, of being thrilled by the cross and the resurrection and all that. He's saying it before all that's happened. Mm-hmm. And, and it's having some of the same impact just because of this man who's allowed them to follow him that they've had a place with. So for me, I'm always trying to, again, we have such a tendency, naturally, myself included, to my pain, my hurt, the offense that's very real that, that's happened when it's my job as a pastor and a follower to, I get that. But let's take a look. Let's remember what has Jesus done for us. Yeah. And so going back, that's what's so helpful when you look at those examples that Jesus lovingly gives, the unmerciful unmerciful servant, the you know, the the prodigal son. You're you're thinking like, duh, these are no brainers. Like, how could that guy not get it? Because he's not thinking of the judge, he's thinking of what the person did to him. Mm. So it's so helpful to say, but, but look at what you've been forgiven for. Look at what right. the, the amount – this is one thing that happened to you. Think of a lifetime of not only what you have been forgiven but what you will be forgiven. How could I not forgive Clay? How could I not forgive Charlie? How could I not forgive my spouse? And, and that's where words sometimes can even get in the way because it really is a heart issue. Mm. Going back to, I think Jesus doesn't explain it so much because if the actions won't change you, words certainly won't. And there Mm -hmm. can be a danger in words too. People have to come to that place on their own. Um, There's a tension in both those stories where the sun stays outside. It it doesn't resolve with the servant. Maybe it did, but I. Yeah, Jesus well, leaves he gets it thrown there. in jail. Yeah, he gets he gets thrown. Yeah, in prison. I mean, but but I like to tell people like yeah. there's you saying, and that's how it'll be unless you forgive from your heart. There's always that like I believe that if the the servant said, but I'm I'm really really sorry. I'm begging. And, yeah, cool. Let's try again. But yeah, so yeah, I, it, to me it's a focus change. It, it's. That's the whole denial of self. That's the whole losing your life. Um, that's Jesus being very clear in Luke 14. Man, unless you hate your father, mother, brother, all these things are going to be real. I need you to be so locked in on me or none of this is going to make sense. It will always strip you up. Yeah. So I just had a thought that came to my head. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there and let you guys uh, rip it to shreds. Let's go. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, if you judge, you will be judged. He doesn't say, if you condemn, you will be condemned. Um, the, all the actions that God, that, or that the second part, if it's the Lord doing these things, they're all things that are positive for us, right? You're not going to be condemned. You're not going to be judged. You'll be forgiven. You'll receive. Those are all good oh, things that we receive. Sure. So my question is, Maybe maybe reading it as a conditional way is not the full full understanding. For example, if you love God, will love you. But if I were to say that statement, like if you love God, God will love you. But another way of saying that is, if you love God, or, if you don't, or, love, or don't love God, yeah. God's still going to love you, right? So is there may, maybe in some of the translation as we work through that, maybe it wasn't as such as much of a conditional statement as we, as we read it to be. Or or like, I think another way to put that is we tend to read it as a threat as a threat. Oh man, if I don't do this, then what's so, whereas maybe you, I think Jesus meant it more as an encouragement is encouragement. Forgiven. You'll be forgiven. Don't forgive. And you'll still be forgiven ultimately by God. Right. Again, this is, it made it, it was on the cutting room floor. It's not in my sermon <laughs> because it gets really, it really gets really muddled, and I'm not yeah. gonna read into it. But it's something I'm wrestling with. That, that maybe it wasn't meant to be a threat, like you said. Maybe it was more meant to be because he never says, 
if you don't forgive, you won't you won't be forgiven, right? Everything that everything in, in the second portion, they're all positives. Not judged, not condemned, forgiven, and you will receive. So it's an interesting thought. Yeah, and I think the, the reason it causes tension is because we're like, well, we know salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. Correct. Like we know we know that like the the New Testament is so clear about how it's not something that I'm going to do to earn this thing. And so then when we get this language that kind of looks transactional, this is what causes the tension for us. Can I say something? Sure. So that that's a great tool and reminder for people is that we always need to take the easy to understand passages in Scripture to, un, to help us understand the hard to understand passages. So what we can plainly learn from Scripture and salvation and God's work on the cross and what it means for us, all these beautiful truths, we can see that plainly at Scripture. And once we understand those things, then we can go back to some of the texts that are harder to understand. Maybe there's some language breakdown, cultural breakdown, those types of things. And we can take what we know is true from other parts of Scripture and say, okay, this is going to help bring some clarity to some of the challenging portions. So, yeah, and to give an example of that, there's a a part where I think it's the – it's the – the rich young ruler where where he comes and he says, you know, good teacher, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Hmm. So if you just, if that was the only record we had of Jesus's sayings, I think there's, there's, we would, we might say, Hey, Jesus is saying that he's not God. He's saying only God is good. Why are you calling me good? Hmm. That, okay. Well that is Jesus insinuating that he and God are different. Yeah. Is it, you know, you might, you might reasonably presume that, but because we have a broader biblical corpus to pull, to pull from, we can recognize, okay, well, like John is pretty clear in the word, you know, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word was God, the word being a reference to Jesus. So Jesus was God. He was there in the beginning. All these, Paul is even more clear. So you, we get these very clear, uh, statements about Jesus's divinity, but, it, you know, so, so we, 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 we can recognize, okay, whatever Jesus means to say to the rich young ruler, he probably isn't saying I'm not God. He, he's probably not saying that because we have very good reason to believe reading it more broadly that Jesus claims to be God, that the new Testament authors understood him to be God, that, that sort of idea. The hard thing for me about that, cause I, I agree with you, Charlie, the hard thing for me is then like it's sometimes it feels like, oh man, are we, are we just ignoring what the text says because it's inconvenient for us theologically? You know, like I want to. Yeah, I don't think it's ignore the text. I think it's help me understand the text by using right. other texts to help me understand it. Right. Right. It, it it protects us as guardrails from going into heresy and crazy ideas. Like if we don't, if we we read something and we don't fully understand it, we got to back up a little bit, just take a step back and say, what does God's word teach? And then maybe I'm misunderstanding that. Maybe I'm the one that's making I'm being confused here, right? That's kind of my thought. Yeah, and it's a two-way street because it's like, you know, the, the text is what informs our theology, but then our theology also informs our interpretation. And we, we've been talking a lot about this as as pastors, but it's a it's a tricky thing because we want to, you know, we want to be careful with how we interpret, but we also want to be able to take it at face value. But we know that that's sometimes difficult, but. At, at the end of the day, for me, when it comes to this idea of like, is it a works-based gospel? Is Jesus saying that you can lose your salvation? I, I have you guys ever heard me heard me tell the story about when I broke my dad's piggy bank? Have you ever heard that story? You dropped that in a sermon once, didn't you? Yeah. I did. Yeah. I I referenced it again. I didn't tell the whole story again. But for me, whenever I whenever this issue comes up or whenever I've got a believer who's saying, you know, I'm struggling with sin. Does God still love me? Am I going to lose my salvation? I have found this to be just so helpful personally that when I sinned against my dad by breaking his piggy bank, never once was the fact that I was related to my father at issue. Like it was never a question of, man, he's going to kick me out of the house. I'm, he's not, I'm not going to be a son anymore. Like my sonship was secure. But what was at issue was our relationship, our intimacy, our communion. You know, I was afraid to go and approach my dad after I had broken the piggy bank. I was removing myself from the relationship in a sense. I was still his son, but we, we didn't share that intimacy. And I think it's, it's very similar with God in that when we sin against God as believers, 
I don't think we're in danger of losing our justification, we might say, in theological terms. Like when Jesus, when we're justified and we, we, we ask for Jesus's forgiveness from our sins, I believe that that's a once and for all, you know, thing that takes place where God covers our sins. He forgives our sins and he imputes the righteousness of Christ on us. Amazing. But our sin still matters. It still has an impact on our relationship with God. So I, I don't think it's, I need to ask for forgiveness from God daily because I need to get justified again. I think it's, we ask for forgiveness from God daily because we need that relationship to remain close. So the, the way I've said in my sermon was, we don't ask for forgiveness as believers to stay out of hell. We ask for forgiveness as believers to stay close to God. So it's not, it's not a salvation issue as much as it is a living life communion issue. But then, you know, and on and on it goes, because then you can ask, well, if you're, you know, if you're constantly living in sin, then like, is that a sign that you haven't, you know, you're not a true believer and, you know, you can keep the conversation going, but. Yeah. I, I think for me, you know, when something that is I'm trying to, because that's always the rub, like, mm-hmm. am I going to lose my salvation is, you know, good. Uh, I, yeah, if I did this, would God not let me in one day? And it's so interesting because for me, as I've grown as a follower of Jesus, as I'm looking at everything that Jesus is doing, I was talking at the beginning about we have to start with the end in mind. And if it's not God's goal to get John Jacobs to pray a prayer to get into heaven and be secure with that, that's not the goal. God's goal is for his children to come home. And and he saves me, but he wants me to understand. And my goal is to get them all. Like, and so even again, our questions are telling because as I'm going to you or whoever to counsel and I've, who hasn't done this, right? <laughs> Am I okay? <laughs> I said, when I was a little kid, I got saved like 5,000 times, man. All those rapture <laughs> movies and Jesus, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but as you grow as a follower again, like if I have the spirit of the living God inside of me, you know, Jesus, like my heart, has, the, the question should be, why would I not want to forgive? Why would I not want everyone included if I understand what's happened to me? So to me, that's what's fascinating. And I'm, I'm trying to help people understand even in that it's the gospel is not something that's selfish. It, it can mm. feel selfish, but once you have it, it should unleash you to say, man, if this is true, I want everyone to have that. To me, that's what's so fascinating about Paul, this guy that was so anti. And now when he gets it, it's not just, let me tell you what happened for me. Let me tell you how great this is for me. It's I want to go become all things to all people so that yeah. if I can – if somebody gets saved because of this. So to me, I, it's interesting that people – and I've done it. They look at it as a threat rather than like – Man, how can you not understand that if this was done for you, yeah. go do it for everybody. So it's that's right. always a, just – it's a focus change. It's a perspective change. Um, and that's helpful to me, but it's hard to get people to that place it's, when they're locked in it. Well, it's so funny even you know, growing up in the church, growing up in Christian schools, most popular question, like how far can I go with my girlfriend yeah. before I go to hell or before it becomes a sin? And it's like you know, I love the response that's – in some ways, so frustrating to young people, but so true. Why is that on your mind? Like, why, why would you, why are you trying to get as close as possible to sin? Wouldn't you rather get as close as possible to, to purity? Yeah. And I yep. know that that's, you know, that's a more complex conversation, but it's the same, same oh, yeah. idea here. You know, it's, it's why it, you're, yep. you're revealing by your question, yeah. the fact that what's actually important to you is doing whatever you want and then still being okay in the end. Absolutely, as uh, as opposed to recognizing the opportunity to imitate God, the opportunity to be like Jesus. Um, Yeah, I I totally agree. And so, uh, you know, I I also want to ask a question because forgiveness, I think, is is we we could fill a whole podcast with that podcast. Yeah, we we could fill a whole podcast with with that idea alone. But. Jesus is also talking about generosity and he spends more time on generosity. You know, he just says, forgiven, you'll be forgiven, given, it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over will be poured into your lap for the same measure that you use will be measured against you. Obviously we all, I think we all talked about Jason actually had a bushel up on, on the stage mm-hmm. with him where he, 
Yeah, I just used a plastic bottle. He he had me on that one. <laughs> but we all talked about this site. You know, he got that from my parents' farm. Shout out to Miller Orchards. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> but um, you know, he he illustrated this really clearly and very well. But it's the idea of being in a marketplace. You know, you you want to get all the air pockets out. You want it to be a fair measure. Even even you know, and in the interest of being fair, you're actually giving more. It's like you're giving a baker's dozen rather than just giving twelve to make sure you're covering it. But the idea here, if we're going to understand this in terms of, you know, what most scholars think and how we kind of tend to read it, which is that God is going to, you know, when I'm generous to others, God is going to give to me a good measure. Um, how do you respond to somebody who's saying, yep, you know what this means? This means that if you want God to give you $15, you got to give $10. If you want God to you know, buy you a Ferrari, give your car away tomorrow and you'll expect, you know, you can count on it. God is going to bless you. How do you respond to, you know, this, I'm trying to characterize a prosperity teaching. It's hard. Jesus is talking about treasure and reward, yeah. and yet this prosperity teaching has become so popular. What's the difference between what Jesus is saying and what Joel Osteen is preaching, for example? Well, and again, I, I could be wrong, but I, I went to lengths to say I don't view this as obviously, you know, giving can involve money and should involve money. Jesus talks a lot about money, but to me, looking at the setting, looking at the people, I mean, his disciples have said, we've left everything to follow you. So he's got these guys. It's not like empty, like empty your pockets now, boys. Um, to me, I, I really see Jesus again looking at it as like, man, when you begin to understand this, that the generosity is literally going to be your very life, mm. you know? Um, I often think about, and I tell people this, you know, Jesus, when he, when he talks about coming back, I find it fascinating in Matthew 25, you know, all the things that we talk about, and there's going to be some very uh, direct questions, you know, that he says he's separating people based on what? What they gave. And, and What's really interesting about that passage is the one people are like, when did we not give you a drink? When did we not like they're they're visit you in print? Yeah, yeah. So they're there. When when didn't we do that? Every time you didn't do it for those people, you didn't do it for me. But what's really crazy is the people that he says, now you you guys come, you know, take your inheritance in the kingdom because when I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. Da, da, da. And they asked the same question. Did you know that? Yeah. When did we give you a drink? When? And to me, Jesus is speaking of there's there's a sense of like when you're operating in this, you're so like not – you've so denied yourself. You don't even realize anymore like to walk in the spirit. I feel like I'm at my Jesus best when you don't even realize. You're just <laughs> like – you're spending time with people. What do you need, dude? No problem. Like it's a lifestyle. It's not like a – well, yeah, they're passing the plate around, so we better yeah. try to find another 40 bucks. There's this kingdom reality that you're so outside your, of who you were and become him. You didn't even realize you were doing it. It's just – and that, that's why I love that passage and that those people are like, when did we do that? Like, <laughs> all the time, man. And yeah, so I, I guess, again, it's always telling of how people are thinking of that and exactly the, the preachers that will stand up there. You do this and then you're going to get that versus like – no, man, I'm just living this way, and I'd even, I don't even think I lost anything. I've, I felt like it was just flowing out of me like an endless stream. It didn't even seem like I was giving anything away because I'm being filled up so fast. So and That's that image of the, the oil in the Old Testament from the widow. Absolutely, like, yeah. I, was, I wasn't paying attention to it. I wasn't measuring yeah, it. I just yeah. kept giving it, yeah. pull, pulling Versus out of it. Versus like, am I, am I okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, I, I love that. I, I do think that... Like back in like in the context of our passage, you know, Jesus is talking about if someone takes your cloak, give them your shirt as well. So I like I do think that there's a, a material element to it. Um, but I think I think you're so right in that the the focus is so telling. I don't. Yeah, I because I, I even in my sermon, I I talked about that phrase. You can't outgive God. Mm -hmm. I mentioned it. I was like, and I, in my manuscript, what I have written down is technically that is true. Like you cannot, you can't outgive God. Um, and, and I said in, 
you know, we could probably pull tons of stories about God's faithfulness when we choose generosity. Like this has been the, I, I didn't share this story, but I was thinking about there's a, a guy that I've come to know who had certain like financial goals that he always worked toward before knowing Christ. And then when he came to know Christ, he started tithing, he started giving away money, he started doing, you know, performing acts of generosity. And he's like, without changing anything else, he started hitting those goals. And he was like, he, he didn't make that. He wasn't like redoubling his efforts. He wasn't trying to get God to bless him. He was just living as a believer. <laughs> and now he finds like he turns around and does his taxes. He's like, holy cow, I actually, for the first time, you know, hit these goals that I had way back in the day. Yeah, It's like, praise God, you know, I, and it's like in that context, I want to, I want to read this text and be like, yeah, man, you chose generosity and God was faithful to you. But when we try to turn this into an equation to get what we want out of life, that's where I think we get into serious trouble. Like it's, I don't think Jesus is trying to give us a strategy on how to get rich. I think he's trying to teach us how to live well. Um, yeah. and, and, but I do think he wants to assure us, mm -hmm. like God is watching, God cares about you. Um, even though I don't think he's trying to guarantee us like, in terms of zeros, what you can expect in your bank account, but yeah, I think it's tied to righteousness. I want to read this passage. Um, and I mentioned this in, and if, if I had more time in my sermon, I would have dug into this, but second Corinthians nine, six through 11, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I love how it talks about he will enlarge the harvest of your resources, of your finances. No, the, enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Yeah. And again, this is this is the verse where you get that you can't outgive God, that God will continue to bless you in abundance as you live the generous lifestyle. You're you're never gonna run out, especially if you're being a good steward of God's resources and you it's flowing. I love how you said that it's flowing through you naturally. If that's the natural way you're living, he's naturally gonna continue to fill that up. Um and uh, one of the things I talked about how is like generosity is a lifestyle. If you're not living the generous life in your poverty, the number of times I've heard people say, oh, if I make more money, once I, oh, if once I pay off this blank, once I get to this spot yep. blank, once I, yep. the kids are out of the house, I'll start serving more. Once I, like, I'll, I'll go on a mission trip once this happens or whatever. And we create these parameters and caveats. The reality is if you're not doing it now with the little you have in the moment you're in now, you're not going to do it when you have a lot. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Uh, I hear that all the time. Yep. I hear that all the time. I'll start giving once blank. Yeah. And the reality is, start giving now. Where, wherever you are now, yeah. live the generous lifestyle. Because why would God bless you in abundance if you're not being a good steward of what He's giving you now? Right. I mean, it's a great, I mean, I wouldn't. It's not a. It's not a worthy return <laughs> on investment if yeah. you're not. You know. So it's just a thought. Yeah, man, that's so good. And, and because at the end of the day, both of these, whether it's being generous with our resources with our time with our bot you know our forgiveness with yeah. our yeah well like whatever it is yeah this is something that uh is not natural it's difficult um and yet it, it, we want it to be increasingly natural as christ followers so you know as, as we kind of think about as you guys have run into folks you know somebody comes into your office or you go out to walk at some park you know named french creek with somebody in my park, <laughs> it's mine, dude. It's a great day today. You it, could... it is. I haven't been outside in a while. Have you seen the little Yeti uh, statues we got all through uh, French no. Creek? No, guys, go check. Are it those out, new? Man. They are new, and they are exciting, and they are a plethora throughout the park. Just how, how long go. did you have to pose for those? Uh, well, it was a process, but uh, <laughs> <Okay>. you know. <laughs> but uh, 
when you have when you have somebody who comes to you and they say i want to do this like i i, I honestly have it i want to want to do it but i feel like i can't whether that's let go of that grudge or forgive that person or you know be generous in some other sort of a way how do you how do you help those people to work through that can I, can I answer like if I'm discipling a guy that's giving me permission to yeah. like like you want me to be just like full to a book, and and I did make this point to our people because I think it's something we don't do a lot. So if if Jesus is asking me to do something, he's not up there going like, look at Charlie trying. <laughs> he actually thought I was serious. I mean, God, he's serious. Yeah, he's a commander. It, it's it's amazing how many times we'll say, oh well, there's there's no way anybody can do that. It's my job to look at my life and say, if my life doesn't line up to God's word and what I'm asked to do, I don't change God's word. I've got to pray and ask God to change my life, to change my perspective. So yeah. the phrase I use, if it's a guy who's giving me permission or a girl's giving me permission, I say, well, either God's a liar or you are. <laughs> to say you can't do that, either God is a liar or you are, and it kind of – and I'm using that as shock value, but it's also a true statement because God has convicted me like that. There's so many times when I have to realize we were talking about it in our prayer to earlier. Do am I actually a believer mm. or am I a person that's reading the Bible? Am I a person that prayed a prayer one day? Am I a believer, a committed believer and follower of what God's word and what Jesus Christ himself has said? And it's so let's pray that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, the guy that walks up, you know, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. Cool. Let's just be honest. Like, I'm, I'm struggling with this, but I need to do it. Um, See, so yeah, I, I think there's a, a real mandate on us at times to say, guys, let's believe what Jesus says here. And, and let's go after that rather than again. Well, we know how hard it is and I'm praying that you get there and. Man, no, let, let's, let's pray right now. Let, let's pray and believe that you can do this before we leave this room um, and obey as quick as we can because we owe it to people because there's such freedom there, guys. Like That's right. the hell that people walk around in, the prisons that people put themselves in. The, I talked about it, the poison that I put on my family by not forgiving people, by choosing to live in offense. It's so infectious and vice versa. To let go of that and the freedom that it brings, the things then I can give to other people because I'm not locked up in that. We need to deal with it as quickly as possible. So that's – as I've gotten to become an older dude and I've stopped <laughs> dancing around this so much, I'll just sort of yeah. call people's bluff and say, well, God's either a liar or you are, man. And we need to we need to believe he meant what he said. So let's go after this thing. Yeah, there's a question. So the question that came to my mind as I was studying and doing some research on forgiveness um, – <clears throat> one, I, I was listening to a TED Talk. This is, you know, my deep theological study. Oh yeah, and Dude. she was talking. This lady was talking stuff. about forgiveness, and she went through crazy pain. One of the things she said in the TED Talk was, "Forgiveness is important, but don't rush it. You're not. There's no urgency in forgiveness. Forgive when you're ready, but it's worth it to forgive." Interesting. And it was interesting because I felt like I was uh, there. Was, she had such power in this TED Talk. You know, the power of the forgiveness, the freedom that forgiveness offers you, um, and all these things. But it was when you're ready. And uh, I just think that Scripture seems to be clear. It's like, no, do it now. Yeah. Like, that's don't cool. wait. That's so interesting. And the number of times I've heard Christians say, I'm just not ready to forgive them yet. Like, oh, I'm just so angry. I'm not ready to forgive them yet. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's work through your anger, but work through your forgiveness right now first. Like your that mm -hmm. should be first. That's Cause, good because the command is it's an imperative. I mean, how yeah. it's written in there is forgive. It's, it was written as a as a command, even in this context, but all over scripture. I mean, yeah. forgiveness, yeah. forgive. It's it's forgive in an ongoing way. So forgive, forgive, forgive. Keep forgiving. It's an imperative. Forgive. It's not a negotiable when you're ready yeah. on your time. It's so funny. It's like so like if my kids aren't eating their vegetables, it's like. Well, when you're ready, they'll be right here for you. You know, like we know that this is good for you, but it's, you know, the 15 minutes is going to versus if he's got if my son has his head cracked open and he's bleeding, I'm not going to be like, well, when you're ready, you know, we'll be in the car waiting for you. We, we really, would really like you to get some medical attention. It's like, no, it's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, and then the other question is, too. Is that the kind of forgiveness oh, you God. hope God uses towards you? When you're ready, God, you can forgive me. 
Exactly. Like, yeah. like seriously. Oh, I hope he's ready. I hope, I hope, I hope he reached there. I hope he got there for me. I'm, you know, I'm on death's door. I, I really hope that he got there. I hope, hope he was ready at some point. Wow. Yeah. No, that's not the forgiveness we're called to. I'm not saying it's easy. I know there's a lot of pain and hardship, and and he's not asking you to forget what you went through and ignore it and suppress pain and all those. That's not forgiveness. But release, right? Let go of it. And yeah, it's just something I'm thinking about. Like it's 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 the now, like you said. Like now, right right here. You can do it right here. God gives you the ability right now to forgive. What you said is so important, though, because that's what people think is like, well, there's going to be some magical feeling. And what you said is so yeah. important, and we have to make sure people understand this is, no, let's work through forgiveness first, and then we'll work through your feelings. I heard this said once I thought was so good. You know, in our society, people like, well, I'm going to follow my feelings, and, and my faith at some point will catch up. Hmm. And what it's supposed to be is, I'm going to follow my faith and let my feelings catch up after that. And I've, I've just found that to be true. There's so many times when I'm forgiving and there's not an ounce of me that legitimately, and I think that's the struggle. Well, I don't feel like this is genuine. It's like, I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to let my feelings catch up. Yeah. I mean, we do this with our kids. It's interesting. Cause I, I, I actually was thinking about that. Like when I'm teaching my kids to say they're sorry, is that really like teaching them forgiveness? And I, and I realized it is. Hey, you no, know, say it now, hug it out. Now we're going to, we're going to put things back and, and then you'd watch versus like, well, let's just let them work it out. You know, they're, they're punching them and they're yeah. like, no, we're going to, we're going to deal with this now. And yeah. then the feelings are going to, so that's so good. What you said, man, like, no, let's, let's deal with the forgiveness first and then we can deal with your anger and your emotions mm-hmm. and and, yeah. and sometimes that freedom that comes is is not immediate and it's a process and you get and yet sometimes and Charlie, I loved listening to you recount the story of Corey Tenboom. Yeah. Sometimes God will do he will surprise us by pouring his love and mercy through us mm-hmm. to other people. And we yeah, yeah, and we yeah, receive that blessing. Yeah. So her, her prayer was like, you know, that uh, that guard from the camp, like after she spoke, came up to him and said, you know, great message. I'm glad I got changed by the gospel too. And she's like, you know, my arm was glued to my side. I couldn't raise my hand to shake it. Mm-hmm. And I prayed, Lord, help me forgive him. And again, my arm was glued to my side. And so then I said, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I need your forgiveness. Help me to carry your forgiveness to the man. And she shook his hand. And she's like, it felt like a, a lightning bolt went ran through my arm yeah. into him. And I said, I love that man. And it was something like that. It was like, wow. Yeah. And that story just, every yeah. time I read it, it gets me. But yeah. Um, yeah. And that to me is, I think, you know, when we, when we think about unforgiveness, it's such an ego thing. It's such an, I, this is what, this is what was so interesting to me as I dug into the language of pardon and how that compares to generosity. It's like, we feel that we're owed something. Mm by that person. We are, we have a right to get even, we have a right to be upset at them. It's like, I've, I, I have this sense of honor that I feel like I have to defend because of my ego. I'm, I feel this sense of entitlement to that. And God is asking us to let, you know, in forgiveness, Jesus is asking us to let go of that sense of entitlement. It's yeah. like, it's, this is not about you. You need to let go of your overinflated sense of your own importance and recognize that, you, no, you forgive that person. It, like, I love them too. And so it's, I think that for for a Christian, for someone who has, and this this is to me why I ended with the parable of the unmerciful servant, is because if you if you're not in a place where you can recognize my only hope in life and in death, my only hope for Clay Wright is that all the the sin that I did mm-hmm. is not paid for by me, but is paid for by Jesus. Like that that is my my only bet. <laughs> and my, my only hope is that Christ paid the penalty for all the stuff that I've done. Mm-hmm. Then how can we then say, yeah, but I really want that person to pay for what they did. Like I, I want all of my sin to be paid for by Jesus, but not that person. I want, yeah. I want them to pay for what they've done. I want to get them back. I want to take revenge on that person. Mm. Um, and so for me, for forgiveness is possible only when you recognize how greatly we have been forgiven, how, how much God's mercy means to me and how it's like, how would I not wish that on somebody else? Like that stuff that, you know, it, God forbid, but someone would, you know, perpetrate a crime against me or my family. God forbid. I, I pray that that never happens. 
But if it did, at the end of the day, I love those stories that you see of Christians forgiving people on the stand in court because they, they get to demonstrate. They're like, man, I I hate what you did. It's It was so painful to me, but I know that God loves you the same way he loves me. I know I'm not, I'm no better than you are mm -hmm. before God. The, the, the foot of the cross is a level playing field. And I hope even though you're going to you know, receive some co earthly consequences for what you've done, I pray that you will find forgiveness in Christ and that your sin will be paid for by Christ on the cross and not by you in eternity. Mm -hmm. Like I, just yeah. how powerful of a witness that is. It's like, that's how Christians should respond when they're harmed. Yeah. Not by this like, ego feeling like I have to defend my honor. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a hard place to get, but I feel, and I feel like it has to start with recognizing how much we have been forgiven. Um, it's yeah. like, once you get it, you'll give it. <laughs> it's almost like yeah. that. It's just, <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like the things you hold on to are the things that kill you right on the yeah. inside. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, the, the, that passage, the, you know, don't store up your sure for yourselves treasures on earth where Thieves break in and steal. Whether we're mm -hmm. holding on to our possessions and what we what we think we deserve, that's killing us on the inside, or hold on to unforgiveness, that's killing us. It's like a you yeah. know poison on the inside. You gotta yeah. Once you get it, you gotta yeah give it away or something like that. Yeah. And it's it and exactly Clay. It's it's really all we've been given. You know, and and it's interesting because. We're all pastors. We love to preach. We, we love to teach. We love all these words. But if I'm a true follower of Jesus and realize the, the pinnacle is, again, not what he said, but what he did. So mm. even if yeah. what's interesting to me is like, what did Jesus get on the cross, man? All his dudes bailed. You got John kind of cower in the background. Like if, if all that what he said was true in that moment, right? Everyone would be there like, yeah, Jesus, way to go. Woo! But man, look now, look at the church, look at the impact that's still coming because of what he gave through his forgiveness at the worst possible moment. And I don't think we 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 think about that. It, it's almost like the harder it is or the more we might get laughed at when we're doing it or maybe even lose our life like something has happened with some Christians. That's the greatest impact of all. Those are always the greatest stories there. And, and we don't think about that. We want it to make sense again and. Uh, well, they should come to me. It's like, no, I, I feel like the greatest call in Christianity and as a follower is the harder it is to do, the more important it is because that's when the potency just seems to have a different level. To me, that's for God to take the cross and take the, the craziest, dumbest, most ridiculous symbol of, of all the world ever and now it's had the ultimate power because of forgiveness mm -hmm. we recognize this horrible thing is the most powerful healing redemptive thing and we don't think about that in our own lives enough like this is going to look ridiculous mm -hmm. and i may never see the results on this side of heaven but i'm going to choose to believe by forgiving my kid by forgiving this nation by forgiving these people that god's going to do something even if it's Jesus arm around me, you know, in heaven somewhere. And we're just looking at it from the other side, but I choose to believe. Um, yeah. Something's coming. Cause that, that is the, you know, ultimately to, to bring it full circle, the greatest reward, the greatest opportunity that we have is to participate with God in this thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like with Corey Ten Boom, it was God's forgiveness moving through her getting poured into her heart into this man um and that's 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 the invitation that jesus makes to us he says imitate god be like god be which is a crazy statement yeah be like god be merciful as your father is merciful you know it's there's there's a way of reading that where it's this expectation that feels like a burden that's too heavy to carry there's also a way of reading it where it's the it's the greatest opportunity in the world <laughs> to be like God. And, and, uh, and so at the end of the day, our, our only hope in accomplishing that is to recognize how he's already done that mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, yeah, man, great conversation. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Good to be with you boys. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks for living it out, man. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, may, may we be that kind of people as men, the three of us, but also as a church, may we be people who are imitating God's mm. mercy, who are slow to condemn, 
quick to forgive, generous with ourselves and our lives, and uh, may God get the glory. Absolutely. Cool. Amen. Well, until next time, we're, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the conversation there. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope it's helpful to you as we're together thinking through and being challenged by the words of Jesus. If you walked away feeling challenged, I know I do, and I hope you guys feel that way as well. Man, I would love to hear about that. So if you're if you're enjoying this, if you're enjoying these conversations, go ahead and let us know. You know, subscribe or like or do do that sort of stuff. <laughs> you know, give us a review on Spotify or wherever you're grabbing this, or if you're on YouTube, it just helps us to know that you're uh, being ministered to by these conversations. We love to do it, but if it's not making an impact for God's kingdom, then we. You know, we, we want to be where God is moving. So thanks so much for paying, uh, you spending some time with us, having these conversations, and uh, we'd love to do it again sometime. So until then, we'll sign off. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.